This is God's word. Please give it your full attention. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all the work that he had done. Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees saw it. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry? And those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is the showbread, which is not lawful, was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but for only the priest. Or have you not read in the law how the Sabbath on the Sabbath, the priest in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you you would have not condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us pray. Gracious Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we come before you this morning to praise, honor, and glorify you. And we do pray that as your word goes forth, that you would graciously bless our ears, bless our hearts, bless our minds, that we may hear, believe, and understand. We pray, Lord, that your saints would trust in your infallible word, that it is the only certain rule of faith and obedience, and that we would observe and treat it and hear it and listen to it as such. Lord, I decrease that you may increase. I become less that you and you alone may become more. We do pray that you are glorified this morning for you alone deserve all the praise and glory and honor. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Saints, the last time that we gathered on the Lord's Day Sabbath, we considered the change from the seventh day of the week, Sabbath, Saturday, to the first day of the week, Sabbath, today, the Lord's Day Sunday. We gave six considerations to support the change from the seventh to the first day of the week as the new Christian Sabbath. We considered first the fact that the first and eighth days were days of great importance in Old Testament Jewish communities. Secondly, we considered how the New Testament uniquely points out that the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the first day. It is the only day in all of the New Testament that is referenced by its number, the first day. We consider thirdly, the unique distinctions given to the first day or the unique occurrences that took place on the first day. What occurrences were those? The Lord Jesus rose from the dead on the first day. Christ appeared to Mary on the first day. Christ appeared to his disciples. When? On the first day. 
the Holy Spirit fell upon the church in power with power on what day? The first day. All of these occurrences and much more give uniqueness to the first day of the week. We considered how the apostles and the apostolic churches gathered on what day? The first day, the first day of the week. And the first day was 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 given instructions or the apostles gave instructions concerning the first day of the week when they gathered for worship. And when again did they gather for worship? The first day. Why did they gather for worship on the first day? Because through revelation, God was showing the church that this was the new Christian Sabbath. We considered how the beloved apostle John designates the first day as what? The Lord's day. The Lord's day. All days belong to the Lord. Yes, they do. But the first day uniquely belongs to the Lord. It has been set apart by the Lord for worship, for rest, and as a sign for the believer that we are looking forward to a consummated eternal rest that is given to us in Christ when he returns. And finally, we considered how the Sabbath is the new Sabbath of creation. Just as God the Father rested when he completed the work of creation, so also the Lord Jesus Christ worked and upon the completion of his work sat down at the right hand of the Father, showing that he had accomplished the high priestly task of atonement for his people. Christ rested as he inaugurated, inaugurated a new creation, a people for his own praise and glory. What does Corinthians say? For those who, in Christ, who are in Christ, you are a new creation. And I failed to mention this last week, but I think I've said it in previous weeks, that we rest on Sunday. Why? Because work has been accomplished. We don't work or, or rest. We don't work six weeks and then rest. We rest and then we work. Because Christ has accomplished the work that we fail to accomplish in the covenant of works. Christ has done what we could not do. We learned that God through revelation was establishing a new Sabbath, the Christian Sabbath. And now this morning we will consider Christ and the Sabbath. Brothers and sisters, how did the Lord Jesus Christ, how did he view the Sabbath? Did Christ have a positive or negative view toward the Sabbath? What do you think? Think for just a moment. In all of the teachings that you can think of, and all of the occurrences that you can think of concerning Christ and his, his dealings with the Sabbath, what is your thought on Christ's thought, Christ's view of the Sabbath, positive or negative? There are those who believe the Sabbath is not even taught in the New Testament, and that Christ, in his teachings, listen, did away with the observance of the Sabbath. I'm going to use this word a lot. Abrogated, which is doing away with. That Christ abrogated, did away with the Sabbath. Is that the case? Did he do away with the Sabbath? Did he have such a negative view of the Sabbath? Almost like how you all did when I first said Sabbath. Did he cringe at the word Sabbath? Did he abolish it? Did he abrogate it? Listen to this. 
It is interesting that in the four Gospels that we have, there are at least 13 accounts of Christ teaching about the Sabbath. And most of those teachings about the Sabbath took place on the Sabbath. At least 13. And most of those took place on the Sabbath. I'll give you the scriptures later. Matthew 12, 1 through 12, uh, 21. Mark 2, 23. I'm not going to go through all those. There's more. I have them all here. I'll get them to you later. Here's what's interesting. It's strange that the Lord Jesus Christ would spend so much time teaching on a subject, clarifying a subject that, that people believe he was about to abrogate, do away with. Does that make sense? If the Lord Jesus Christ was getting ready to do away with the Sabbath, why would he spend so much time clarifying the Sabbath? So then this morning, we will give three points concerning Christ and the Sabbath. Number one, Christ observed the Sabbath. Christ himself observed the Sabbath. Luke chapter 4 and verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Listen to this. As was his custom. He did what? He went to the synagogue on what day? The Sabbath. Let me read that again. This is Luke chapter 4, verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath. Going to the synagogue or place of worship was the normal custom of the Lord Jesus Christ on the Sabbath. Did Christ observe the Sabbath? It sounds like it was his normal custom from Scripture. He observed the Sabbath. There is an astounding amount of material with regard to the Sabbath in the Gospels. A number of passages make it very plain that Christ did, in fact, faithfully observe the Sabbath. One that I just read. Let me give you three more. Mark 6.2, Luke 4.31, Luke 6.6, and Luke 13.10. I'll read those again. Mark 6.2. Luke 4.31, Luke 6.6, 6, and Luke 13.10. Now, it has sometimes been assumed that Christ rejected the fourth commandment. What is the fourth commandment? Observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. That he rejected the Sabbath, the fourth commandment, theologically, and violated the Sabbath practically. Meaning this, he not only rejected the theology of the Sabbath, He also violated the Sabbath in his own practice, in his own life. There are some, and I won't say who, there are some who even believe that Jesus taught others to break the Sabbath. That not only did he feel, I just saw the face and I would love to tell you who, you would be so surprised, but I won't do that. There are others, there, there are those who believe that theologically he rejected it, practically he violated it, violated it and also that he taught others to violate the sabbath brothers and sisters this is impossible and it is completely out of line with the orthodox teaching of christianity the apostle paul notes in galatians 4 4 that christ was born under the law what does that mean christ was made responsible just like you and i for keeping the law if the lord jesus christ rejected and also violated the fourth commandment 
and also taught others to reject and violate the fourth commandment. Listen, he would have disqualified himself from being the sinless substitute for sinners. Why? Because he himself would have been a sinner and thus himself would have been in need of a savior because he himself would have violated the law. Brothers and sisters, may this never be. May it never be. Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew 12, the Lord Jesus Christ was condemned by the religious leaders for doing what? For allowing his disciples to walk through the grain fields and pick heads of grain to eat. Now, why was that an issue? Because it was the Sabbath. And the religious leaders saw what the, what the, Pharise- what the disciples were doing. They saw this as threshing or working by walking through grain fields. Ah, oh, and I'll eat one of these. You're threshing. You're breaking the Sabbath. Also, they condemned Jesus Christ for what? For healing a man on the Sabbath. And after healing him, telling him, now pick up your mat and go home. You are breaking the Sabbath. But were these acts of Christ really violations of the law? Did the Lord Jesus fail to observe the Sabbath? Is this an example of Christ saying, I don't care about the Sabbath. Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. Is that what Christ was doing? I don't think so. In order to gain a better understanding of this, we must attempt to understand, listen, what Judaism was at this time. Okay? The law, which is the, the, the Ten Commandments, it governed the way that people lived as far as a standard. This is what God has said. But the Talmud, the Talmud, and we'll talk about that in a minute, the Talmud sought to fill in the details where there assumed, where there was assumption that things were unclear. Talmud is this. The Talmud was the book of interpretations of the law. So here's the law. And here's a book of interpretations about the law. So they wrote a book to interpret the law. Here's the law. We think the law is unclear, so let's write a book concerning the law. Now, concerning the Sabbath, listen, concerning the fourth commandment, in that book, There were some 30 chapters concerning the Sabbath and what you could and could not do on the Sabbath. Now, if that amazes you, listen to this. Within that 30 chapters, there were 29 subtitles or or, or subdivisions. And within the subdivisions, there were also innumerable subdivisions of their own. So concerning the Sabbath alone... There was something that looked like this, what you could and could not do. The religious leaders had intended or had invented countless laws. Listen, not explanations. They regarded them as laws in order to apply the law of God. Does that make sense? In this case, the Sabbath, and they made their explanations law. And what was the result? Think about what the result is. The result is the Sabbath, which was made for man to enjoy, became a burden that no one could enjoy. 
Because there was absolutely nothing that you can do except lay in your bed and look up at the ceiling. The Jewish leaders, what did they do? I think that they had at heart the right intention. But followed that in sinful ways. They saw how through the years the people had desecrated the Sabbath, had destroyed the Sabbath. There's a, a minister who uses a park as an example. A great park is, just, is constructed, wonderful, beautiful, and then people come and begin to mess it up. So in order to keep the park beautiful, they built fences around it. And all people can do is see the park through the fence and don't really get to enjoy what it was intended for. How many of you guys have ever been to Pioneer Village? This is a Bakerfield staple, so if you're listening online, you don't know anything that we're talking about. Pioneer Village, and this may be an inadequate example, but have you ever gone through those, those displays, those exhibits? Have you ever gone through maybe the, the jailhouse that you walk upstairs and you see this is what it looks like, this is how small the jail was, this is where the judge used to sit as he made his ruling? Wouldn't you like to go past the glass windows? Wouldn't you like to at least go inside of the cell and feel like it, feel what it was like to be in the cell? Or into that big house that they have in the beginning, the one that, says, that, they, that they say is haunted? Wouldn't you like to go inside there and sit on that bed and feel what that bed was like? Or walk around through the house? You've got one eye away. And you get to look and then keep on walking. Brothers and sisters, that's exactly what the religious leaders did to the Sabbath. They put up fences. They put up rails. They made glass window. You can see, but you can't touch. And what did they do in the process? They took the joy out of the Sabbath. They took the gift away from the Sabbath. And it became wearisome. Brothers and sisters, and they also denied the, the sufficiency of God's word in the process. Meaning what? God's word is not enough, so we'll help you out and make this a law on top of God's law. And that is why so many of us have such a negative view of the Sabbath. Because we see it the way they see it. But the way they experienced it is not the way it was intended by God. It was not intended to be a burden. It was intended to be a joy, a gift. Brothers and sisters, did the Lord Jesus Christ fail to observe the Sabbath when he allowed his disciples to pick? To eat from the grains of wheat when he healed on the Sabbath? No. Not in the least. Anyone who reads the Old Testament will see that none of these acts violated the, the letter or the spirit of the law. None of them. But now, listen to this. Because we know about the Talmud. The Lord Jesus Christ broke the Sabbath, listen, as far as their interpretation was concerned. Are you with me? But they had distorted the letter and the spirit of the law to the point that it did not even resemble the Sabbath. It did not even resemble what God intended for his people. The Sabbath became unrecognizable. And listen, if this is the best they could do for saying that Jesus was a Sabbath breaker... What a Sabbath keeper he must have been. Amen. Each of these accusations against the Lord was wrong because it contradicted subsequent revelation, meaning this. That's not what the Bible teaches. And, and what did Jesus use for his defense? 
God's word? Did he go to their Talmud? No. He used scripture. How does he defend his actions? He goes to the Old Testament and he says, if you had known your word, meaning this, he says, have you not read? Meaning if you knew what you should know, if you were the religious leader that you should be, then you would have known when David did what? Ate the showbread, ate the presence bread. It was the bread that reserved, was reserved only for the worship of God. But what was David's situation? He was on the run. He and his men from Saul. He was being pursued. They were famished. They came to the temple of God. Is there anything to eat? All we have is the showbread. It was the Sabbath. Did he eat it? Did he eat it? Yes, he did. And Jesus is saying, you're going to call David a, a Sabbath breaker for eating food when he was starving? And then he points to the priest. And you're going to call the priest Sabbath breakers because they gave the bread on the Sabbath. Christ is being sarcastic. Believe it or not. And he's also calling these religious leaders to know their word and be consistent. Know your word, be consistent. Which is it? They understood that they misunderstood the, the divine intention for the Sabbath. It was not merely for external observance. David was hungry. The priest did the right thing. And David did the right thing. David was hungry. Have compassion on a man made in God's image. That is the right intention, the right use of the Sabbath. God's intention for the Sabbath was not to hold, withhold mercy from those who are in need, but to generously give to our fellow man who was made in God's image. Listen, something the religious leaders at that moment were not doing. You got that? He exposes their hypocrisy. They're saying you're a Sabbath breaker. Christ is saying you're the real Sabbath breaker. Because the Sabbath is made for worship and for uh, uh, being merciful toward your fellow man. And here you are trying to set Christ up to do what? To kill him. Who is the real Sabbath breaker? Who is the real violator of the Sabbath? Who is really not observing the Sabbath? But what about Matthew? Let's read it. Matthew chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat and to eat. But the Pharisees saw it. They said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, have you not read? What David did when he was hungry and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread, ate bread of the presence, which, listen to what he says, is not lawful for him to eat for those who were with him, but only for the priest. And then he goes on. Or have you not read in the law how the Sabbath on the Sabbath, the priest in the temple, they do what? Profane the Sabbath and are guiltless. Now, think about this. Is Christ saying that it was okay for David and for the priest to violate the Sabbath? Is that the point that Jesus is making? 
is Jesus making the point, hey, it's not a big deal. The day doesn't matter. Is that the point he's making? No, he's not. He's not saying it doesn't matter. Again, he is being sarcastic. And notice the language that he's using in order to, to, to show that he's being sarcastic. He says sarcastically that David does what is unlawful. And he says about the priests that they profane the Sabbath. He's using this language intentionally to show you are wrong. You are wrong. And why do I bring up this example? Because some people say, they use this example, they use this passage to, to say that Jesus makes exceptions to break the Sabbath. Jesus makes exceptions to violate the Sabbath. Is Jesus making exceptions? And they also say, Jesus makes exceptions because the Sabbath is a ceremonial law. And therefore, it is no longer in effect, especially for higher purposes and higher reasons. Brothers and sisters, the Sabbath is not a ceremonial law. It is a positive moral law. And Jesus is not teaching that it can be broken for good reasons. How? Because they weren't breaking the Sabbath. Because they weren't breaking the Sabbath. Not even in a technical sense were they breaking the Sabbath. Does that make sense? They were not doing what is technically permissible. They were doing what is actually permissible. They were doing nothing wrong. That's the point that Christ is making here. And, and what does he use as his example? A sheep. If your sheep falls into a ditch, what will you most logically and mercifully do? You will pull it out. Here's his example. How much more a man made in the image of God would you not be merciful to? You religious leaders will pull a sheep out of a ditch if it gets stuck, but you won't lend out your hand to a man made in God's image who needs mercy. You are the lawbreakers. You are the lawbreakers. Yes, we should be merciful. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That is the true observance, and that is exactly what Christ displayed in his earthly ministry. Jesus grants, yes, Pharisees, religious leaders, in your eyes, we have broken your interpretation of the Sabbath, but the disciples have not broken the Sabbath. How was he able to say that? How was he able to say, no, they didn't? No, they did not break the Sabbath. How was how, how he able to do that? Because he wrote the law. He's the author of it. So if anybody could give a perfect interpretation of what you could and could not do, it would be Christ. Christ did not break the Sabbath, teach others to break the Sabbath, and he did not do away with the Sabbath or the moral observance of a day. Brothers and sisters, when we read the Gospels, it is interesting that we do not see a number of things concerning the Sabbath. We don't see a word or prophecy speaking about the abolition or abrogation of the Sabbath principle. We do not see Christ violating the Sabbath, annulling the Sabbath, or even devaluing the Sabbath. What do we find in the Gospels instead? 
Christ observing the Sabbath. Showing the beneficial character of the Sabbath and clarifying how we should properly, uh, properly observe and understand the Sabbath. Christ observed the Sabbath. Number two, Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12, verses 6 through 8. I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless, their guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Christ's lordship of the Sabbath is one of the most prominent and consistent points in the Gospels. It is declared all throughout the four Gospels. The idea of the lordship of Christ is seen all throughout the Gospels. But listen, Christ declares lordship over a number of different things. Now, now pay attention here. Christ declares that he is lord of the harvest. Are you with me? Christ declares that he is lord of heaven and earth. He is Lord of the vineyard and Christ is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, listen to this. In each of those cases, the idea of the the Lordship of Christ, listen, does not equal abolition or destruction to these things. Does that make sense? But rather the upholding and the ruling over these things. Meaning this, the Lord Jesus Christ did not come say, hey, hey, I'm the Lord of this, therefore I'm going to remove it. I'm the Lord of this, therefore it's done and it's over. No more. To suggest that the Sabbath, that because Christ is the Sabbath, he therefore removes everything that he's Lord over, is to improperly understand, interpret, and exegete the scriptures. In John five seventeen. The Lord Jesus exalts his work to that of the father as he's being challenged for healing a man on the Sabbath. And what does he say? He says, my father is working until now and I am also working. Now, work on the Sabbath? Jesus, you are breaking the Sabbath. No. No, brothers and sisters. The Lord was teaching what is appropriate for the Sabbath by doing exactly what God prescribed for all people to do on the Sabbath. What? Works of mercy. He healed a man who had been laying by the pool of Bethsaida for a long time. And as the father continues his divine activities during the Sabbath, so also the son continues his divine activities. God rested at the completion of his creation and instituted the Sabbath. But the completed work of creation did not mean that God was no longer at work. How do we know that? Because Jesus just told us, my father's working until now. Christ identifies himself with God by calling him my father, and he makes his work equal to the father's work. Now, what did the father work in doing? Creating. And then doing what? Ruling over. What was Christ in the process of doing? Creating. Creating what? A new people for his glory. And then he would enter into his what? Into his rest. 
just as the Father entered into his. Was this work lawful? Yes, it was lawful. It was an act of worship. It was what God had prescribed for the Sabbath. Again, we must ask this. What gives Christ the right to say such things? Is Christ saying that he can do anything he wants with the Sabbath? Is he saying, hey, I'm here, I'm Lord, I do with the Sabbath whatever I want to? No. The Lord Jesus Christ is giving the divine, listen to this, divine, infallible, perfect understanding of what is meant for the Sabbath. How? Because he wrote it. It is Christ who is the second and last Adam. Christ who is the divine Son of God. Christ who is sovereign and Lord over the Sabbath. Therefore, he can perfectly and infallibly give the right interpretation as to what it is meant for. This does not imply abrogation, doing away with, abolition, doing away with. But it does. But it does imply, and it does anticipate, listen, the inauguration and institution of a new creation Sabbath. And an ending of an old creation Sabbath, which we made a case for last week. Does that make sense? Christ is saying, yes, this Sabbath is coming to an end and preparing us for a new one. It is the authority of Christ, Christ's authority over the Lord's day, over the Sabbath, which brings us a new Christian Sabbath. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 8 Christ points out that he is Lord of the Sabbath, not meaning he can treat it in any way that he would like to, but that he is showing us that he is the fulfillment, which we're going to get to in a moment, of that Sabbath. He is Lord of the Sabbath, gives true meaning to the Sabbath. And we should not be surprised by this. What did he spend the whole Sermon on the Mount doing? Remember that? Remember the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and onward? What, what does he spend the whole time doing on the Sermon on the Mount? Clarifying the law. What does he say? You have heard it said, but I say to you. Was he making a new law? What did he say before he even began speaking about all those things? I have not come to take away one letter of the law. But let me help make sense where there has been so much cloudiness. Let, let, me, let, me, let me pull away all of the dirt and all of the trash that has been heaped on the law and let me give you the true heart of it. How is he able to do that? He is the author. He is Lord of the Sabbath. He is Lord of all. As Lord of the Sabbath, the Lord Jesus Christ interprets the fourth commandment and gives us the truest sense of that commandment as the author of the commandment. You imagine writing a letter to someone, and when you write that letter, someone else grabs it, and they begin to make sense of what you said. And in the midst of that, they jumble up your words, they confuse what you actually meant, they distort what you really mean. What would you do? How would you come to the person who received that information? Would you not come and say, that's not what I meant at all? That's not what I was saying at all. That's not what this word means at all. That's exactly what Christ is doing. When he comes to these religious leaders and says, not in the least. What have you done? 
Number three, and finally, Christ fulfills the Sabbath. Christ fulfills the Sabbath. Matthew 12, 8, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Brothers and sisters, what, what does it mean when you hear Christ fulfilled the Sabbath? What does it mean to you in your own minds? When you hear Christ fulfills the Sabbath, here's what it, I think most of us automatically go to. Christ fulfilled the Sabbath, therefore it is no more. Christ fulfilled the Sabbath, therefore it is no more. When we read the Gospels, though, is that really what is taking place? When we read the rest of the New Testament, is that really what's taking place? One of the the days the Lord Jesus Christ loved to do the most miracles was on the Sabbath. There are at least nine different occasions on which Christ healed on the Sabbath, and it's recorded for us. Now, do we believe that Scripture does not do anything by accident? That there is nothing incidental in Scripture? Do we believe that? That it's all purposeful, right? That that it's all intentional? So then, why would God, through the Holy Spirit, inspire His authors to nine times record for us a healing on the Sabbath. The acts of healing on the Sabbath, they are pointing to something. They are pointing to the redemptive significance of the Sabbath. The redemptive significance of the Sabbath, meaning what? Meaning this, these miracles were a sign of the coming of the kingdom of God that was announced by John the Baptist, where God would give true rest to his people. Hence, miracles being done on the Sabbath indicate the fulfillment of a sign or or the fulfillment indicate its fulfillment as a sign of God's redeeming work. What was the sign up until then? It was a sign to God's people of the Exodus redemption. It was a sign to God's people of the Exodus redemption. Listen. And a looking forward to the new Exodus redemption that would come in the Messiah. So when they observed the Sabbath, they were looking forward to the Messiah and looking back to the redemption that God gave them in Egypt. When Christ comes on the scene after his temptation in the wilderness, where does he go? He went to the synagogue. What did he do when he went to the synagogue? You may have seen this, this in the movie Jesus of Nazareth. It's this, this, this compelling scene. If you're from the 80s like I am, you remember that old Jesus of Nazareth movie with the guy with the blue eyes who never blinked. Shocking, captivating scenes of his eyes wide open. And he, Watch it. Next time you see it, count how long he doesn't blink. <clears throat> it's powerful. What does he do? Where does he go? He went into the synagogue. What does he read? He reads Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then what does he say after he rolls up the scriptures? Today. Remember that the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What what was he reading? He was reading Isaiah's prophecy. Of the year of Jubilee. 
The year of Jubilee. The year when captives are set free. On that day, he says, interestingly enough, he says there is a woman who was bound by Satan. And Jesus says, is it not appropriate that this woman bound by Satan be healed on the Sabbath? Is it not appropriate? Is it not right? Is it not a fulfillment of something that that I come and heal this woman bound, parentheses, bound on the Sabbath? Why? Because that is who I, he, he is the fulfillment of Jubilee. He is the fulfillment of setting bound people free. In Matthew chapter 11, what does he say in connection to the Sabbath? Come to me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you. Christ is saying you will find rest for your weary souls. So then in what way did Christ fulfill the Sabbath? What were the Israelites looking forward to? Jesus gave you the answer. That which is fulfilled in your hearing. What was he proclaiming? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Preach, news, preach good news to the poor. Bind up the brokenhearted. Proclaim liberty to the captives. Open prison doors for those who are bound. And proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. The year of Jubilee. Christ was the fulfillment of what Israel was looking forward to. And thus, the emphasis of the fulfillment of the Sabbath, by, uh, Sabbath sign by the coming of the, uh, of the Messiah also is related to what? The change that is about to take place. He's fulfilled one, the old, and now there is a new, because what are we looking forward to? The rest giver who will bring to us consummated, completed rest. And how does he give to us the new day? By rising from the dead. By setting a unique day apart for us as the new day of worship. This seven day has been completed. The work has been done. Now rest and wait in. Be busy waiting. Be busy sharing the gospel. Be busy being a good helpmate to Christ as his bride. And look forward to his return. Look forward to his his return. It is this day now. The new Christian Sabbath, it is the new sign for the believers who wait the consummation, the completion of all things when Christ returns for his bride. Christ fulfills the Old Testament Sabbath and gives to his church a New Testament because it is a biblical principle. It is a creation ordinance to observe a day of worship and rejoice in that day until he returns. Rejoice in this day until he returns. When scripture is read, rejoice. When songs are sung, even though they're new for you, sing them. Try your best. Sing along. Rejoice when God's word is spoken as a means of grace. Rejoice in the Lord's table. We are looking forward to this that will one day be eternal, absent of sin. This is our day that is a sign of what we look forward to. Just as Israel looked forward to their Messiah We look forward to the coming of our husband, our groomsmen that will take us and where we will be eternally with him forever. This is your day. So don't do not fail to observe it. It's been given to you as a gift and also a sign to use for the purposes that God has set apart for his people. 
Brothers and sisters, now with all of this, it is very difficult to make a case that the Sabbath is no longer relevant for the church. And I'm not even done. I've got three more on this. A brother asked me, when are we going to be done with, with, with uh, the book of Genesis? And I said to him, like Squince Palladorus, forever. We'll be here forever. Forever. Get comfortable. Forever. This will help you understand the rest of this. Get this, you'll get the rest. Miss this, you miss the rest. Settle in. The Gospels were written to the church by God's chosen vessels of the church for the faith and practice of the church. If the Sabbath had no application to the church, then why did God inspire his men to write at such lengths concerning this holy day if it was about to be abrogated or abolished? We see changes in the law of purity. What goes into a man's body does not make him unclean. It's what comes out of the man. There's a change there. Eat whatever you want. You like pork? Eat it up. Pull pork, smoke pork. Eat it up. You're not sinning. Now, if you have diabetes, then don't eat that. (laughs) We see changes in the temple and their sacrifices. Jesus says, you see these great buildings? Not one stone will be left upon another. They will all be thrown down, Mark 13. But when the Lord speaks of the Sabbath, he seems to speak of it as as if it was one of the unchanging ordinances for mankind. Meaning, this is is not going to change. There is a holy day that you must observe. The Sabbath was made for man. Let that sink in. Not man for the Sabbath. It is God's gift for man. Brothers and sisters, a Sabbath remains. Let us stand.